Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Big Boss Battles, Big Boss Babble. Uh, again, with me this week is Dan. Hello. And Toby. Hello. Excellent, we're all here. So, first off this week, a little, a little quick one. Uh, Super Mario cereal that also happens to be an amiibo. How bizarre. Toby, this one's up for you, sir. Yeah, so, while, I mean, I don't really know where to go with this one, because, like, is this <laughs> going back to the serials of when I was a child, where you would get a, a little toy in a plastic bag? Is that what it is? Is there an amiibo inside the cereal? Or is the box itself an amiibo? No, 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 no. When it comes down to it, an amiibo is just a little figurine with an NFC tag in it. This is just going to have an NFC tag stuck to the box or on the inside of the box somewhere. Okay. So you'll either be able to just cut it out or whatever and then stick it on your controller and apparently it gives you something in Mario Odyssey. I, I see. A sugar high. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Maybe. I mean, apparently reading the article, it gives you... Obviously, there's a, there's a thing you can collect which makes your energy go from six or from three to six and apparently it gives you one of those hearts when you put it on the... The reader on the controller. Fair dues. So it's a little tiny incentive buff for buying branded stuff. <laughs> I mean, in, it's. Incenti- uh, yep, an in game buff for buying stuff. That's it, awesome, Dan. It, 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 <laughs> it, it kind of works. I mean, they, they could do it with, like, anything, really, couldn't they? I guess. It's. Uh, yeah. It's not going to be, obviously, what was the best ever serial or video game related serial edition, which, as we all know, was Check's Quest. Wait a minute. What? Have you never seen Check's Quest? No, go on then. It was a total conversion of Doom. (laughs) But for serial? That was given out on CDs and put in serial boxes. Wonderful. And it was fantastic. You have to look it up. It's it's really fun. You can you can still get the wad files for it. I do like these kind of cheesy tie-in things. I mean, obviously, this isn't cheesy tie-in. This is actually Nintendo making a Nintendo product to benefit Nintendo things. But uh, the whole uh, Burger King 360 games yeah, that was Sneak pretty King cool. Was like, Sneak King, fun. yeah. That's that's got to be. It. I've got to play that game. How many was there? There was three, wasn't there? There was like there a racing three. one. Yeah, Sneak King, and I can't remember what the other one was. Apparently, can't it was remember terrible. the other one. Yeah, it can't be that good. <laughs> no, but Sneak King sounds exceptional. Just uh, hiding places and then jumping out and presenting people with burgers to give them the most shock to get the most points. That's... That Burger King King is still the, one of the creepiest advertising <laughs> people ever. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, and which is impressive, considering his direct competition is a friggin' clown. Well, yeah, and a very sinister clown at that. To be quite, to be quite exactly, fair. exactly. Are we going to see more Nintendo products that happen to have bonus uses on the console? Do you I think do. this is the start of a slippery slope? I don't know. I, th- I think they could do. Like, I mean, what's what's stopping them? Uh, giving them out with like magazines and things, just like little cards, because they've already done it with oh, what was it, Animal Crossing? Oh, they tried that on the uh, with the yeah, 3ds, the, and, on, you, and you got an Animal Crossing cards, 
And each one yeah. of the cards had NFC tags in them, and it gave you stuff in the game. So They tried it on the GameCube with... Uh, I can't remember what it was, but there was a thing that you could get for the GameCube which worked on that logic as well. I think it was GameCube. No, it was Game Boy Advance. It was the barcode reader. Is it Game Boy Advance? Yeah. But see, it, some, it, 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 it could kind of work with the GameCube if you linked it through with the Game Boy Advance cable for the okay. GameCube. Yeah. But yeah, you had the because obviously you had uh, I think there was I think Super Mario Brothers three on the Game Boy Advance, you could get cards and each card would add a new level to the game. Cool. And then, well, yeah, like, I mean, but but now they have the means to do it through chips, so it's it's going to be much more feasible than making bu- people buy an add-on in order to it, in it order depends, to do that because you like like with the. Uh, well, with the, with the NFCs, there's not exactly a lot of data you can store in them. No. Uh, you might be one thing they could they could get away with viable would be NES Virtual Console games. They could embed entire games into NFC chips because they are that small. And I think really? that would be kind of cool. Bring out a That's set good. of cards that look like NES cartridges, and just beep. There we go. I'm playing Super Mario Bros. One, or beep. I'm playing Arkanoid or whatever. That'd be kind of cool. I, I like that idea. That's my idea. I've trademarked it. <laughs> I like that idea. I like that idea. That's good. That's good. I've trademarked that, Nintendo, if you're listening. So if you do it, I'll show you. Apparently you can fit maybe a kilobyte in an NFC chip. I thought it was bigger Are than that. Are NES games that small? No. I thought they I thought they were bigger than that. Yeah, they're, they're very small. They're, they're more or less just a, a small string. And that's it. Just a big number. Apparently the amiibo will give you extra hearts and coins. What is it called? It's, nothing nothing it's, a, it's off cereal. What, yeah, what it's a cereal. <laughs> yeah, it's a cereal first and just tie into the game. Yeah, but still, that's a kind of funky idea, isn't it? My question to you then, Terry. Unrelated, you'll remember this. Toby probably won't. When are we going to get Barcode Battlers back? Barco Battlers? Oh, he's he's too young. He wouldn't have known about those. <laughs> Barco Battlers. Wait, what is that? What? What? So, Barco Battler was basically uh, a little. It looked it looked a bit like a Game Gear, I suppose, a little handheld system with an LCD screen, like the old style LCD, like a digital watch kind of screen. And what it was, it was basically a fighting kind of game between creatures. So you had a creature and you had a friend with a creature, and I think it was yeah. infrared, wasn't it? Then you worked with. Yeah, it had infrared on the top, and then on the side it had a kind of a credit card swipe mechanism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And your yeah your creatures were generated from barcodes. So you chop you chop a barcode off of a cereal packet or a tin of beans or something like that, swipe it through, and it'd generate a random monster. But it would always be the same, if you know what I mean. If you if you scanned the same barcode in again, you'd get that exact monster. Uh, yeah, I'm reading the Wikipedia use RNG to. Yeah, it, it used. Yeah, okay. It used uh, pseudo pseudo random. Yeah, algorithm. Yeah. Pseudo random generation. Yeah. Grab the numbers and plug it to the seed, I'd guess. Yeah, and because obviously barcodes are X amount of characters long, you know there was yeah. so much variety that yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was no, obviously, graphics to it. It just literally came up as stats on the screen. It was just like, okay, your attack stats this, and your defense stats this, and things like that. 
But it was, it was it was kind of an interesting idea for the time, and I reckon if yeah. if they were to do something like that now, and like maybe you know using some kind of procedurally generated thing like I don't know like spore, yeah, <laughs> yeah. like that crazy spore system. Just every time you pick a barcode, it just go right. It's going to use leg set fifty four and eye set this there, and it just generates a creature. That would actually be kind of cool. It'd be it'd be awesome. Make it like Pokemon, and you have to just. That'd be a cool phone game. You, you use a camera to scan a barcode and then yeah. battle against your friend. Hey, yeah. Exactly. Why can't you do it with... We're going to have to talk to Sean about this. <laughs> yeah. That is actually a cool game. Like, yeah. yeah. It's cool. Maybe we should cut this out of the podcast or someone's going to steal our idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, we've... NDK this. You've got QR technology at the minute, haven't you? So... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and you've got barcode scanners through the same tech, so... Ooh. I like this idea. This is another very good idea. <laughs> Quick, D- Dan, write the idea down on, in a, on a bit of paper, stick it in an envelope and post it to yourself. Make sure it gets a date stamp on it and then we, that, that kind of works as a as a trademarking kind of thing. Deal. We'll get that done. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll deliberately upload the podcast late this week, <laughs> which I never do. Uh, no, of course not. No. Uh, and yes, just to make sure that I've got a letter with all of our ideas <laughs> evidenced first. Excellent. Right. So on that note, let's let's move on to the the next topic, and this is uh, the the developers of Fortnite, so Epic Games, are suing a thirteen year old boy for cheating. Yeah, fourteen. I'm getting from the current articles a teenager, a young teenager. Is that his birthday since they sued him? Right. <laughs> But apparently they, what is it, they're, they're accusing him of creating the cheating software, even though obviously he just used it. He bought it, I think. They, I think they're cracking down hard and they generally have the details, so they're just going down with anyone that they have the sufficient details on, as kind of, um, to prove a point, I guess. Well, yeah, because when doing. this initially came out, they said it was just him, didn't they? But it's not, it's a, it's quite yeah. a big group of people that they're suing. Yeah. But this is the one because they're a child and their mother is fighting back. Yeah, and she does make a lot of good points, to be fair. Yes, so it's a little bit of a mess. So, as far as I can tell, everyone else who's been sued has settled because I, I, I wouldn't personally want to fight a massive company, I don't think. But, yeah, so the first, this mother of this child has fought back very well, actually, against Epic. I guess she has some level of law knowledge. It certainly seems like she does. The way she's worded everything, either she knows or mm. she's contacted a lawyer herself. Yeah. Of course, she's coming the basic stuff that this child who has downloaded uh, a cheat or his pot and just played that, which isn't really enough. Although he, the child has also posted uh, how-to videos of how to download and install yeah. cheats for Fortnite. Oh, that that is the crux of the whole thing because this, yeah. this is what I read. So, Epic um, put a DMCA claim on his video, yeah, right, yeah. to get it taken down. Um, he then counter claimed that it was it was perfectly fine, it's fair use or whatever. <laughs> so then, the, the reason that they're suing him is to keep that claim going. Because basically the way the YouTube thing works is you can claim something, then they counterclaim, and then if, if 
The only way to keep that claim then legitimate and keep going is to actually file suit. So that's where the suit is coming from. So I don't even think it's really about the cheating. It's more the fact they want the video taken down and they've got no other recourse to do that now than to sue him. Yeah. So, but but yeah, I mean, like you say, the the, the mother makes a lot of good points, especially about the, the EULA. Yeah, although the fact that this kid slightly did bring it upon themselves by starting the fight. And also, and also cheating in an online multiplayer game is a dick move. Simple. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Pure <laughs> and simple. Yeah. Yeah, because I was reading, I think, the other day that um, Battlegrounds are having issues with it, with people actually advertising the hacks within the game. <laughs> so you'll have, like, uh, a guy, uh, like there'll be someone driving in a car, and then there'll be a guy using a speed hack just running next to them, talking to them, going, yeah, you can come and get this, it'll cost this much at this website, and things like that, so they keep it. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently that's becoming a big issue, because obviously PUBG's just recently gone live in China, and that's where all these yes. are coming from. And apparently, yeah, it's causing a big problem. It's very, apparently it's very rare to get into a game where there's not at least a couple of cheaters in it. Okay. That'd make a great kind of uh, fever dream ad- advertisement. Just <laughs> someone running next to a car. Yeah, yeah. So, this lawsuit's going to probably keep going around for a while. There's claims that because this child is underage and the game didn't actually cost anything, it is free to play, that the EULA is uh, not... Uh, counting because, well, the kid is not old enough to sign it, which is another bag of worms and raffle, and also that you don't because you're not actually paying anything there's no need to sign it EULA, which is I'm not sure how that works, that surely you're still getting a product in return even if you're not paying You're still an end user, that's for sure Yeah, you'd still yeah. have to at least in that case, sign EULA to use someone else's uh Item. Yeah, yeah. You're using their program. Well, yeah, you so have to yeah, follow that rule. You're, you're a user of their service at the end of the day. So, yeah, it still requires a. Yeah, they have all the rights, even though it is free. You, I mean, the yeah. uh, the whole being underage thing raises a question because obviously, up until a certain age, a child is, is completely under care and of, of an adult, and the adult is legally responsible for them. And it's only yes. in extreme yeah. cases that the child is expected to be responsible for their action. For instance, a parent wouldn't be sent to jail if a 13-year-old killed somebody, unless the, the parent was standing there. But in, in other things like fraud, etc., it's the parent who has to represent the child. Or Yeah, which is, I guess, why the, uh, the mother is uh, doing all the legal stuff. Exactly. But obviously, parents don't have to stand there when anybody under 18 accepts an EULA. So... In in the joys of ridiculous spiralling situations, is this going to mean that anybody buying any game that needs to install, that is a license, that needs a licensing agreement accepted, is going to need to be installed or bought by an 18-plus person? Yeah, well, you, you brought the point up before the podcast started that it, at the end of the day, that then technically makes any game that requires a EULA an 18-plus game. Yeah. Well, there is the parental signing of an EULA. Yeah, I mean, you do, but 
I suppose it's one of those things you don't you don't get them on all games. Like like say like something for young kids. Like what's that bloody one with the penguins? <laughs> Club penguin. Club penguin. That's the one. The one that said you had to get your parent to read this. Yeah, so a, a lot of the ones that are for younger ones will specifically say you need to get a parent to yeah. sign this blah, blah, blah. Yeah, to let you do this so that the parent is... But, you know, something like something like Battlegrounds or Fortnite, don't. But there's nothing stopping under-18s from playing it. Well, it does technically say that you need to get a parent, it's just it doesn't club Penguin because it knows what it has to do, accepts that it's a kid thing and says... PUBG also says that it's just buried in the legalese. Yeah, it's on. It's kind of there, but not there. Yeah, they don't. The... They don't make it as a bigger thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it would be interesting to see kind of what goes on with this. Is this going to pile on? Are all games that are free going to not have EULAs now? Is this going to be a uh, de facto, whatever you call it? Yeah, but the only problem is if if they don't have an EULA then people can just legitimately do whatever the hell they want yeah. and not have any repercussions. Because the EULA yeah. will go into things like, you can't modify our system, do this, do that, do that. If there's no EULA, cheaters can just go, free reign, yeah. you can't touch us, you can't do anything. So is there going to be some form of, uh, every online game now has some form of cost? Is going to be any way that... I don't know. It is it's, yeah. it's certainly a weird situation. Something for the lawyers of several big publishers to sit down and think through this. No, I'd I'd probably say some lawyers from a, a completely independent third party. Because if it's <laughs> lawyers from the publishers themselves, they'll just say, "Yeah, we can do whatever we want. We'll sue a baby if they look at our game in the wrong direction." Well, I meant more of the how do we make sure that people playing a free-to-play game have to sign a R E U L A. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I agree with that. Because mm. quite easily this case could go through just on the fact that this kid was not old enough to sign the EULA and didn't sign it because it was free. Which is going to create a very interesting... Uh, precedent, what's yeah. The, what's, yeah, precedent, that's what, thank you. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see. Also, I just saw a quote from the kid. I'm not trying in any way to... I'm not in any way trying to ruin the community for fun. I'm just trying to do everything for fun. I cheat for fun. I don't cheat to cheat to win to get good at the game. I just cheat for fun. Which uh, anyone playing an online game, you're wrong, kid. You're wrong. Yeah, that's a crap excuse. Because whereas <laughs> it may be yeah. fun for you, it makes it crap for everyone else. Yeah. So shut up, you little monkey. Right. So let's let's move on to. A story about uh, a girl called Karl Slatoff. He's got to be Russian, surely. Um, it says physical game sales are probably going away on a five to twenty year timeline. What do we think? Yeah, I mean, so to read read the rest of it as well because I wanted to bring bring this up on on two measures. One, obviously, a lot of us do think that digital sales are going to wane unless new gimmicks come into place, like obviously Nintendo's NEC chip regarding our earlier conversation could be a good way to keep people buying physical stuff. Uh, But the majority of sales will go to digital. Uh, We can see that from from how things are going at the minute. Uh, Not that long ago, 
pre-orders became a big focus and the justification was that it meant that the correct amount of copies of a game could be ordered in because it was costly to order in too much and send back excess. And so with digital, you don't have that supply and, you know, you don't have that uh, demand issue. The The second thing that I wanted to mention and the real reason that I, I popped this one down is that he also said in the piece, uh, this was written up on gamesindustry.biz, he said... Uh, why I think that it's accelerating, why I think it's getting here a little bit quicker, he said a little bit quicker, than people imagined, is honestly that Sony and Microsoft have done a really nice job with their services. You've got more people on Xbox Live, more people on PSN, and it helps. And so, really why I wanted to bring this up, actually, is that if the marketplace does go 100% digital, then really we're in a case where there's a high risk of monopolies and captive markets so if you look on pc if i want to buy a an ea game i have to get it through origins there are code resellers who will sell on codes that they bought cheap and so there is kind of that option to save a bit of money but ea could theoretically release a game at any point on Origins for 60 quid, not give it away with graphics cards, not do this, not put it down on deal, and then it would cost 60 quid to buy that game at any given point in time unless someone's selling at a loss. We already know that uh, kind of Microsoft and Sony and Nintendo have been launching their uh, digital games at about the same price as the physical versions, you know, whereas everybody thought there'd be a little bit of a saving because you didn't have the shipping, you didn't right. have this and the Sorry, physical. Dan, this is the point I'm going to bring up here. Go on. And there's a very specific reason why their digital versions are the same price as physical versions. Go on. Can you guess what? It's because they control the price? No. It's retailers. You imagine... Right, so you're, you've got game, say, right, yep. and there's a brand yep. new game. They're selling a game for forty nine ninety nine, yep. and you release the same game digitally on your system for thirty quid. Yep. Game are not going to be best pleased about that. No. Nope. Retailers, I've read studies on this. Retailers are the main reason that digital sales are the same digitally and physically. Because Ooh. because most companies rely still rely heavily on physical retail. They don't want to go ahead and and annoy them by selling the game digitally cheaper and then taking sales away from them. That's why they are the same same price. That's fair, yeah. I mean, we do know that the likes of Amazon and obviously Argos is now a very big presence online and other outlets would step up and fill the gap should the retailers sink. Which is what would happen if, or when Mr. Slatov's prediction comes true and everything shifts to digital, you know. Uh, and we've seen on Steam, when the UK PC market just, the bottom fell out of that in storefronts, in stores, sorry. Steam undercut stores, or, you know, game developers and publishers undercut stores on Steam, and... Uh, and yeah, so we know that it it can happen, and it you know does happen. But hmm. yeah, but a cap a captive market does give control to the owner of that marketplace. So 
I respect your point, and I, I think, yes, you're right, and that's definitely one of the major factors. But we also know that if tomorrow GameStop and Game and everyone just didn't open their stores, that there's no real reason for Microsoft to drop the prices down 20 or 30%. If anything, like I said, Microsoft and Sony could put the prices up 10% and nobody can stop Oh, yeah, them. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to deny that. If it gets to the point where digital is the only way that they are going to start raising the prices because then you're not going to have a choice. All yeah. I'm saying is that it's just at the moment that's why they are there. Although, I mean, I've seen... Um, there's there's games on the Switch that are, are quite a bit cheaper digitally than they are physically. Yeah. I mean, they're not the bigger games, but like Rhyme, for example. Rhyme's twenty nine ninety nine on the Switch, on the on the eStore. I've not seen it for under 35 quid physically anyway. Yeah. So that's a good sign. Which comes that comes down to distribution because a lot of people now, I think the distribution for that was handled by HeadUp, uh, or if not right. HeadUp, then uh, Sodesco. But there's there's publishing and distribution is now being done by a new breed. Uh, people like Limited Run Games, or obviously I already mentioned Sodesco, are getting into the physical game, but it is actually costing because they are having to build these distribution networks that don't currently exist. There's only, you know, four or five old distribution companies uh, left from where there were 20 or 30 15 years ago. Yeah. The likes of uh, Gem who are based in the same town as us, yes. handle a lot of the Microsoft stuff, and they handle a couple of other people as well. And they're one of the biggest companies that are doing it now, whereas there used to be loads and loads and loads of them. They used to be quite small potatoes in the... in the. They industry, were. But now they are one of the biggest, because there's hardly anyone left. They are indeed, exactly. So as these new companies are having to come in and set up their own their own routes, their own methods and their own ways of getting stuff out and about... It's uh, it's going to become more costly, at least until they get get the ball rolling. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, the the way I see things happening now, I could almost see a kind of flip happening, where it is going to go generally all digital, and the more, shall we say, uh, reasonable companies out there will lower their prices. Mm. But what I think will happen is you'll still have people like limited run games. And things like that will will put out the physical copies of games, and that's where the cost is going to go. Because I yep. think at that point, having a physical copy will be, you know, uh, an extravagance. Yes, it's like something that you don't need to have. It's just like, oh, but I want the box and the manual and and all that kind of stuff, so I can put it on my shelf and feel good about myself. Yeah, like vinyl. Yeah, and like photo albums, and like. Uh... You can still get CDs for songs and, you know, and how everyone said single player was dying and, you know, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, and books as well, actually, books. I mean, Amazon, who we've already mentioned a couple of times this week, Amazon started out as just a site that sold books and they yeah. did so well that they do everything else and they're still selling a ridiculous amount of books as well. But, yeah, yeah. you can still get physical books even though that company that is surely 
the biggest retailer of books has their own device that replaces books. You can still buy books. Everybody still buys books. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I think in, in, in any industry, you kind of get that, that point where the format dies, but then you get people that still want the, the physical format. Like say, you know, like, like movies and, and music and things like that, they still want these physical formats and then more other companies come in and start doing that like you find now like for example many 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 years ago it was hard to get a book published by a big publisher but now because the whole situation is a lot easier but obviously people don't buy that many books you get a lot you get a lot of smaller companies making limited runs of very specific books and they're kind of very popular, but it's kind of like I said, it's it's an extravagance. It's not it's not a mainstream thing. It's for those people. It's for those few people that still want the physical physical objects. I and mean, I think that's where games are going to go. Until 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 the point, obviously, where the devices themselves don't have any kind of physical media, then you're a bit stuffed. I agree. I have I have little more to add. <laughs> oh. Toby. I don't really have anything to add. This you've done a pretty good job, you two. <laughs> Thank you. Excellent, and I think that brings us to the end of of this week's Big Boss Babble. So once again, we've had Dan, Toby, and me rambling on, and we'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye bye. Bye bye.